the store. We're going to continue our sermon series today, uh, Don't Give Up. And um, this is our second week in this series, and, I, and I've titled it, He is for You. Um, and we're going to talk about the fight. And so as we uh, look at this, I, I, I remember a movie that came out maybe around 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. It was called The 33. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. But The 33 is about... Um, these men who were in a mining crew uh, in, in Chile, and they were trapped underground uh, for 69 days in the year 2010. It's a true story. Uh, they say the stone that was trapping them was twice the size of the Empire State Building. Um, and, and reporters and experts of these uh, situations were giving them only a 2% chance of survival that they would come out of that hole that they were in. And, and the miners knew their chance of survival was slim. They, they knew that. It, you didn't have to, uh, to, to read much into the movie to, to see that. And during those days, they thought about all the people that they loved. Um, they, they thought about all the moments that they have um, been able to, to share with their families and, and those kind of things. So all of those um, previous thoughts were, were surrounding them. They thought about the people they had done wrong and the decisions that uh, maybe they would have made differently. They, they thought about uh, also about their, their bodies, if they would ever be recovered, if they would have died. Would anybody ever find uh, them underground? And so, uh, but this is what happened, though. It, it was really a dark time for them, but there was this miner, and his name was Jose Enriquez. And Jose Enriquez was a, a believer of Jesus Christ. He was only 44 years old, had been mining his whole entire life, and the other miners knew that he was a follower of Jesus. And, and they asked him, would you start praying for us? And he said that he would do that only on the condition that they would pray with him. And so every day they would get on their hands and their knees and they would ask God to get them out of there. And they did it at the same, the same time each day, just praying together. And one day he shouted out a prayer and he said, Lord, have mercy on us, for we are sinners. We need you to take charge of this situation. You see, they were desperate for Jesus. And after finishing that prayer, the others asked what they should do now. And Jose said, you need to repent and you need to ask my Lord and Savior to forgive you of your sins. So they began to do that. One confessed that he was an alcoholic. One uh, confessed that he had an addiction to pornography. Another confessed that he had a bad temper, that maybe he wasn't a good father. One after another, they repented in this time of desperation. And each day there, Jose told them more and more about Jesus. He preached to them verses for memorization. You see, he didn't have a Bible down underground. He just shared it verbatim through thought. Jose was this true warrior, and these men made a vow to God that they would get out of this deep, dark hole, that they would make changes to their lives immediately. Not one of them died in that hole. And they got out of there, and they fought each and every day because they knew somebody was on their side. But what about you this morning? Can you say, as we look at this passage this morning we're going to go to in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible that maybe you are fighting today. You know, or or have, have we given up? You know, in, in moments of, of desperation, will we give up or will we cry out to God for help? In the moments that everything else is going wrong in our life, when we're in that deep, dark hole, those deep, dark moments, 
Will we call out to God? Why don't we do that all the time? You see, the, the, the problem is when we get into this mode of desperation, we want to cry out, right? Like, anytime something starts going bad in our life, we're like, woe is me, I need, I need a touch. God, I need you now. But we haven't talked to God probably in a month or two or maybe even six. But in those times of desperation, we always flip the switch and we flip it around and we call out to Him because we know He should be the number one. In Hebrews 11, just like last week, we're going through some uh, characters in the, in the Hall of Fame that they call it. Jacob is one of those heroes. He's one of those heroes of the faith that we read about. Jacob is Isaac's son. You remember last week we, we talked about uh, Abraham bringing Isaac on top of the mountain and, and, and Abraham was there to slaughter Isaac. He was there to kill his son. Well, this is Isaac's son, Jacob, that we're going to talk about this morning. And, and, and so Jacob is Abraham's grandson, if you haven't figured that out yet. Uh, there's this uh, absolute amazing story of Jacob when he wrestled with an angel of the Lord. And it's interesting because Jacob was usually the one to flee. He was always the one to run in the opposite direction. We find in scriptures that Jacob always got himself into bad situations. And then he would hit the road running. Esau, who was Jacob's brother, he was the fighter. Hey, he, he was the hunter. He was the one that went out and, and, and put the meat on the table. Jacob's pretty common. They're always the fighters and, and those that, that freeze in the moments, but there's also the ones that flee. And fleeing typically means that there's a fear in that. And so I'm going to go ahead and jump into a point this morning, then we're going to start reading some scripture. And this is the first thing we want to see about Jacob's life that, that I feel like we should gain from this. Fear causes most to run away scared. Fear causes most to, to run away scared. And when thinking about fleeing, a lot of times people flee because they are afraid they don't measure up. They don't measure up to maybe the brother or the sister. Uh, a really, really uh, quick story about Fruit Loop College, as John calls it, Fruitland, uh, Fruitland College, where I attended. Um, Peter and my brother, Andrew, both of my brothers, and my dad went through Fruitland. Hey, we, I was the fourth one to go through it. Well, when I got to class on the first day, everybody wanted to measure me up to Peter, who just went through Fruitland. They didn't, they didn't really mention Andrew. Um, they remembered Dad, but Peter was like the chosen one. Hey, Peter was the one that always made the A's. He's the one that had the perfect grades. He was the one that always made the sacrifice. And I remember looking at a professor one day, and he's like, I'm not Peter, I'm Thomas. You're going to learn my name by the end of the class. And I remember trying to make myself known and not run away because I was trying to be measured to somebody else. You see, me and Peter laugh about that now, and um, now Peter's a, a professor there, and he's going on. He was the chosen one. That's what I say. He's the chosen one. But at the same time, you know, in a, in a moment like I was in, a lot of people would run away scared. You see, I didn't, I didn't want to go to that school. I wanted to be different. My, my whole family had been there. I was like, I'm going to go somewhere else. I started putting applications in everywhere. Well, I didn't get accepted. Um, maybe didn't have the grades. I don't know. Uh, for whatever reason, God would close those doors, and that's how I ended up there. 
But I knew that I couldn't run away scared from what God was calling me to do. And so this is, this is the, the situation that we, that we come to uh, with Isaac, I mean, with Jacob. And, and Jacob's at this point where um, he, he, he wants to run away scared. Hey, there, there's times in his life where things just start going bad. But in Genesis chapter number 25, that's where we're going to start with this morning. And, and I'm telling you, we got like seven chapters to go through. I promise I, I won't take a lot, of, a lot of your time this morning. But this is a long story, and I want to make sure that I hit all the areas that I can hit. And so Genesis chapter 25, verse 27, uh, as you flip there, uh, we read this, this word, these words. So the boys grew in Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. You see, Jacob would have rather been by himself through life. He would have rather been able to do it by himself. And Esau is bringing the food home. He's putting it on the table. Jacob's being what we would call this mama's boy at the time. And Esau really could have destroyed Jacob if he wanted to. He could have really just taken Jacob out. See, these are two brothers that, that probably all the time fought with each other. And Jacob was this smart man, though. He could outsmart anybody. And that's what Jacob was going to start doing. He was good at manipulation. The first example we can see in that is when Jacob cheats Esau out of the birthright. If you remember that story. You can just keep reading through uh, Genesis and, and, you can, and you can read the story of Jacob. And we see this. Jacob has grown up hearing about Grandpa Abraham and God's blessing. That the blessing would go to Isaac, but instead go to Esau. And so Jacob didn't like that. Jacob didn't like the fact that he wasn't going to get something. Hey, um, I, if you've ever been a part of, uh, of a death in the family and people start dividing stuff up, that, thing, that can get tricky. And that can get tricky quick if you've ever been a part of anything like that. And as the older that they get, Esau gets the first dibs because he's the older brother. He's the, he's the chosen one at this time. That's how things worked back then. Okay? And, and so Jacob has grown up, and he's been hearing about Abraham and his blessing, and, and, and that everything would go to Esau. So as the older, Esau gets first dibs. Jacob doesn't, Jacob doesn't forget that. He doesn't forget that. So he talks to his brother out of the birthright pretty much for, for a bowl of stew. It's pretty much what he gets the birthright for. Hey, you see, they do this trade thing like, hey, man, you need to eat right now. Okay? You, you, need, you, need to, you need to eat this, and if you eat this and, and you get fed, then I get the birthright. You see, Esau's mind's like, okay, that's a long time down the road. I don't have nothing to worry about. But Jacob's like, I need this right now. I need to know that I'm going to get this. Um, but Jacob isn't done yet. He has the birthright under control, but the paternal blessing is also important. In Genesis 27... We see this ceremony where the father is going to lay hands on the son to carry a legacy. Hey, if you know anything about the story, uh, Abraham uh, doesn't see well. Jacob, knowing that, his dad is getting older. He's going blind. He tells Esau pretty much to take the advantage. So he puts goat hair on his arms, on Isaac's arms, okay? Goat hair, so, so it would make him feel older. So when uh, the dad would, would reach out his hand and touch him, he would know that he is the older son so that they would get this blessing. So he puts the hair on his arms. His dad reaches out and thinks he is feeling ha the hairy son of Esau. See, Jacob outsmarts it again. 
Jacob gets the birthright, which is the legacy, and now he gets the father's blessing. Esau was slow to figure this one out, though. So in this moment, Jacob realizes that he's done all of this to not only be able to enjoy it, but in Genesis 27, you can flip there, it's just probably a page over in your Bible, the verses 41 through 46, we can see that he ran away scared. Let's read that. Genesis chapter 27, 41 through 46. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob her younger son and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by attending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran. And stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. And then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth like these are, are of the daughters of the land. What good will my life be to me? You know, on this journey, we, we read that, that Jacob finds this uncle, Laban. And he finds a job and he falls in love with this daughter, Rachel. The deal is, if he works seven years, he'll get the hand of marriage for Rachel, <laughs> okay? Well, well, Laban is also kind of this tricky man, hey, and he plays a trick on him. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. Jacob, of course, on the wedding night, Laban switches daughters on Jacob to his daughter Leah. That's not good, is it? <laughs> and so I can just imagine Jacob, of course, is furious at this point. Laban says, seven more years, and I promise you, I will give you my daughter Rachel. Seven more years, I'll give you my daughter Rachel. But in Genesis 31, we read that Jacob starts to build this wealth by getting his own livestock, and then he embezzles the rest of Laban's livestock. And Laban tries to see it, and we read that Jacob runs away scared again. You see the common theme here? No, fear causes most to run away scared. When we get scared, we want to flee from the situation instead of confront the situation. Now, I've had to learn as, as, a, as a pastor um, that I can't just flee from situations because people are counting on me uh, to confront situations. And so I've had to learn uh, a lot of ministry just to uh, be able to confront things, to be able to help through things. You see, fleers wouldn't make good pastors because there's going to be issues arise all the time. All the time. Cross life, we don't have issues, amen? Um, uh, we, 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 don't, we don't have things that I have to deal with on a daily basis. Thank God we don't have grudge matches at family meetings and, and, and stuff like that. But at the same time, we know that a lot of people, when God calls us to do something, we run away from it. When God calls us to, to maybe step outside of our comfort zone a little bit, we like to run away a little bit. And the more we run away, the further we get away from God, the further we get away from a relationship with God. See the pattern? He, the, the whole thing is he manipulates, he gets caught, and then he runs away. It's the same thing every time. 
And instead of doing the right thing and confront it, he just wants to run. Maybe, maybe this is us in a sort of a way today. We, we can't realize that you can't outsmart, so you just run away. We, we get scared of picking the wrong degree, so we withdraw from the school. We say, well, I don't want to stay in school. I don't, I don't want to get the degree because I don't even know what I'm in school for, so I'm just going to withdraw and not even worry about it. Maybe it's one who, who keeps the checks and balances at home, hey, who, who makes sure things are, are looking good financially, but instead of talking about the bad financial situation that you might be in, you just push it under the rug for a few months and say, well, they'll find out maybe, and if they don't, it'll be okay. Sometimes we feel like when we try to fix things, we only make it worse, so we quit trying and we run away from it. Kind of like the puzzle last week. Okay, I'm not a puzzle kind of person. You don't want me to sit down with a 2,000-piece puzzle. Like, I, after, after 10 minutes, I'm done. Hey, and, and people, people push through those things. Like, if you can get, my mom always says, you get the outline done and then you work on the middle. I don't, I don't know how to do all that. But anyways, that's, that's, the, that's the point. You know, we, we, we try to get through this life one piece at a time. But when the piece doesn't fit right, we decide to run away and go the opposite direction. And when we do that, we're just like Jacob. This is what giving up looks like, running away before the race even starts. Running from friendship to friendship. Maybe from conflict to conflict, from broken promise to broken promise. But eventually, it does catch up to us and there's nowhere else that we can run. We feel we get backed in a corner. And this is what leads us to number two this morning that we can see in Jacob's life. That facing the fear allows most of us to surrender. Anybody like to face fears? How many of you like spiders? Like, Tiffany doesn't like spiders, and Riley's at the age now where anytime she sees anything crawling on the ground, she just assumes that it's just this gigantic spider. We had those black ants in our house. Anybody got that, like, tired of black ants already? I don't know where they come from. They, they pop up. Well, if, if Riley sees one, like, she is terrified. She thinks that black ant's going to haunt her in her sleep. And so she, she comes running to me because she knows mommy doesn't want to deal with it. Hey, she, she knows that mommy won't face that fear. Hey, sometimes daddy doesn't either if it's a big one. Uh, but we all have those fears, right? We, we, there's, we, can, we can try to be manly if we want to, man, but we, we have a fear. There's fears that, that go on in our life. And the, the story just continues on here. Jacob's going to have to face the fear. And there's no trust now between Jacob and, and Laban and Esau. Like he's, he's, he's demolished those relationships. Jacob hasn't seen Esau since he last cheated him on the birthright. In Genesis 32, we see this thing is about to come to a head in verses 1 through 6. Genesis 32, 1 through 6. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanium. And then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your, thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, and they said this, We came to your brother Esau, 
And he is also coming to meet you. And get this, there's 400 men that are with him. You see, Jacob's in trouble. Jacob's in a heap of trouble now. In verse 7, we keep going and we get, we get that Jacob is now terrified. He's at this point of wanting to just give up and surrender. And if he had the white flag in his pocket, he's waving that thing high. Like, Esau, I hope you see this from a couple of miles away. I surrender. I'll give my life to you. Just don't kill me. I'm done running away. I'm done trying to out, outsmart you, cheat you, whatever it is. I'm done with all that. I surrender, and let's make amends. That's what Jacob is like right now. You see, he, he, he wants to confront the issue, but he doesn't want, really want to see Esau right now. He doesn't really want anything to do with Esau. He just wants somebody to go tell Esau, Jacob's ready to surrender. Will you back off your men? Will you, will you stop maybe the, the, the traveling that you're doing? If you've ever been in the place of Jacob, you know exactly the feeling. You know the feeling of wanting to surrender and honestly just wanting to give up. It, it just kind of so happens that <laughs> this morning's the two-year anniversary of Cross Life and, and it wasn't planned this way. Like when uh, I lined out the, the sermons and all that for this series, I, d I didn't even realize that it was our, our two-year anniversary. Um, but can I just encourage you this morning? Let's not give up. God has something so special in mind for Cross Life Church that He isn't done with it yet. That there's so much more that is going to be accomplished through the work. And so right here, it, it starts off and, and, and it gets to, to be this little thing and then the problem just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you see, Jacob's had fun while doing it in the beginning. He thought that it would be cool to steal the birthright. You know, he didn't think much about it at the time. He, he thought it would be neat that if he could overstep the older brother and get the inheritance. But then he never really thought about the question, what if I get caught? When you were a kid, did you think about getting caught when you were doing something wrong? Probably not. You didn't think about it because you were like, this is fun. This is what I want to do. I want, I want a cookie. I'm going to go get a cookie. Uh, Riley, just a few days ago, had, had a marker, okay, and she was going to town on the floor in the house. She had the little whiteboard beside us, but when we go into the room, you know what she does? She skirts the board over where she marked on the floor. You see, the girl is three years old, but she knows. She knows she is doing wrong. Don't let that little sweet girl manipulate you. She will do it. And she knows how, and she's good at it. And she'll do it with that sweet little grin. Like, you're not going to do anything to me because I'm cute. <laughs> Luckily, it was washable marker, and it came right up. But you see, we, we try to outsmart a lot of times, do we not? I remember when I was a kid. Hey, my, my, my brothers used to, to do WWF Smackdown on me in the house. Hey, mom and dad, mom, no lie, mom and dad would leave to go to a meeting at the church or wherever they were off to, and Andrew was old enough to watch us. Well, as soon as they left the house, like, Man, they, they powerbombed me on tables. <laughs> there was a time where Andrew literally powerbombed me on the table. The table broke. And Andrew wanted to cover that up. Well, I was crying, but about the time he landed me, mom and dad pulled in the driveway. 
Andrew rushes to me, picks me up, throws me in the bathroom, pretty much closes the door and said, don't you come out until you stop crying. That was what I grew up with. And we tried to hide things all the time. If, if, if we got something on the rug, then we would just move the rug. My dad is that way now. If mom just freshly washed, mothers you know, wives you know, if you freshly wash this tablecloth that goes on the table and that first meal, somebody's going to get something on it, dad would just flip the mat over, okay? Right, he would just flip it to the other side so it looks like it has got. We're good at manipulation. We're good at hiding things that we don't want to get caught, right? Like, like our nature, the sin nature in our life says, let's do this. And we're good at tricking. I, now, I just gave some of the kids in here a, an idea. Um, y'all don't do that at home. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not held accountable for that. Um, but we, all, we say, what if I get caught? What if I get caught? Usually, when we enjoy sin, we aren't worried at that time about getting caught. We don't think about it. But eventually, it does find us out, does it not? And that's exactly the story of Jacob. No, he, he's been found out, and now there's really two choices that he has. One, either I can keep running away from everyone that comes into my life and never have a solid friendship, maybe no friendship at all, relationship at all, or purpose at all, or two, I surrender. I surrender, and maybe I face my fear, and then the rest of it will work out. At this point in Jacob's life, he, his life really has never been more messed up than it is now, which, which leads me to our last point this morning, which is fighting gives us a story. You know that? Fighting will give us a story. I've never heard of a good fight that didn't come with a story. I've never heard of a big match and you not get a, a story from it. I used to be a huge wrestling fan uh, when I was a kid, WCW, and uh, I didn't watch the WWF. Mom and Dad wouldn't let us watch that. It was too gruesome. But WCW was supposed to be the family atmosphere uh, kind of thing. But I remember wanting to order the pay-per-views. Okay, the pay-per-views were when the big matches were coming on. Like, you didn't, you didn't get to watch this on Monday night. You had, you had, to, you had to pay $75 to see the fake match that was going on. And, 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 and this is the thing, okay? They aren't going to have these on the regular TV. Okay, the UFC is the same way. I like watching UFC until somebody like breaks their ankle when they kick somebody and it goes all over the place. And, um, but this is the thing. The big fights are what we pay for, and the fights always has a, a story that leads up to it. You see, there's always a storyline. There's always a reason why those two are going to go against each other or the tag teams are going to get each other. When we fight, it gives us a story. And as I was preparing the sermon this week, it just so happened that my baseball team decided to show a little fight this week. Hey, you see, we're three weeks into the season, and they decided they're going to start playing a little baseball and act like they know what they're doing. We lost 18-4. to 4. That's beside the point. Okay? We were down 17 to nothing, 15 to nothing. I don't even remember what it was. 15 to nothing going into the third inning. And I looked at my boys, and I said, one, I'm tired of hearing your parents whine about playing time. You that are in the game better hit the ball. You need to score four runs, and we need to play to the fourth inning. For the first time the whole season, we batted through the whole lineup. Like, I don't know what happened at that point, but something clicked, and they started hitting the ball. You see, we could have just laid down and said, well, if we don't score here, we can end this game the third inning just like we have all season, or we can make up our minds right now that we're going to fight and score some runs to keep this game alive. 
The last three innings of the game, we outscored them four to three. The first time all season long I've seen a team show fight. And I love my boys. Like, I, I'd put my boys with anybody. They're, they're great kids. They're learning the game of baseball. If I had another two months with this team, we'll be competing big time. But you see, the season ends short. We've only got a few weeks left. By the time they learn the game, the season's going to be over. But to see them fight and to see them finally get excited because they did something right and they made something happen, and when it happened, they threw the whole entire lineup in one inning. You know, the outcome was still a loss, but at the end of the game, we had a story to tell because it wasn't the same story of the whole season. It was that we gave it our best shot. In Genesis 32, there's this uh, amazing event that we read. Jacob is going to find himself all alone in what he thinks is the darkest moments of his life. It had been the most chaotic season in his life, and now he is in silence. And there's something about this silence, though. I, I don't know about you, but it's the silent moments for me that God speaks the most. I told you about my, my lonemore journeys. I think I'm going to write a book called Lonemore Revelations or something. Um, uh, I got, a, I got a, a friend at my dad's church who just wrote a book called Deer Stand Re Revelations, and he, and he put all of his thoughts in this book. I need to do one on the lawnmower uh, because that's where all the good thoughts come. And the reason why I say that is because nobody's going to bother you on the lawnmower. It's just your alone time. If, I, if, I, if Tiffany comes home and I'm on the lawnmower, she can't mess with me. Hey? Like, I've either had a bad day, I'm burning some gas, which as the gas goes up, I don't, I don't think I'll be doing that as often. But at the same time, like, it's, it's, it's the time that I know where God will speak to me. The long car rides. Tiffany doesn't like riding in the car alone, but I love it when I have a long trip to take by myself because it's a long, it's a long time with me and God. And I'll talk to myself all the way to my destination. And I'll talk to him. But in Genesis 32, we see this. Genesis 32, 24 through 32. I'm going to read this really quick. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, but you have prevailed. Then Jacob said this saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed, he blessed them there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, where I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, and, and the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle that shrank. Did you get all that? Like, wow. <laughs> like, Jacob says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to let go until you do something in my life. In this moment, Jacob is realizing that he is wrestling with this supernatural messenger from God. He knows how desperate the situation is. He realizes his family is in danger and that his life literally hangs in a balance. And so in desperation mode, Jacob is going to ask for a blessing. And instead of giving up, Jacob asks God for help. 
in our moments of desperation, do we run or do we ask for help? In the moments of desperation, do we run, do we turn ourselves in or do we turn to God? He, he pleads for God's blessing. He won't stop wrestling until he gets it. He isn't taking no for an answer. And the stranger says, listen, your name's no longer going to be Jacob. Your name is going to be Israel. Your name is going to be Israel because you didn't give up. You've struggled with God and with humans, but you have overcame this moment in your life. And he wants to know this person's name. Like, he's like, who are you? But he doesn't get it. The sun, the sun rises and, and the day breaks and the fight is over. And Jacob's been wrestling with what we would say would be God. And he finally faced the fight that he avoided his whole entire life. Kind of like Jonah. Hey, kind of like Jonah when uh, he was running away from God and, and Jonah found out that you can't do it. You can't run away. You have to confront it. And we have to stop running and start obeying. Every good thing is possible, but not without a fight. Not without a fight. What if fighting our way through darkness is really the path of blessing? What if the, the moment of desperation is really a grace moment that is disguised? Jacob doesn't flee in this moment, and it changed his life. For the first time ever, Jacob finally confronts it, and he goes to a head. You see, there's sometimes in life that, that we want to confront someone, but we know if we confront it, it might turn into a problem, and we decide just to let it sit there. And the longer it sits there, the worse it gets. And then when you finally do confront it, each of you blow up. And then the next thing you know, you're not friends with them. You don't talk for a while. Or it ends up being this huge family situation. And, and things just don't work good with that. you got holiday seasons coming up. And then, and then all of a sudden, there's a feud that comes into the house. You see, things get worse and worse and worse when we put it under the rug. But if we will just confront it right when it happens, it'll be a lot better in the end. But a lot of times, we don't want to confront it. But we need to realize this morning that, that the fighting aspect of it gives a story in the end. It gives us a story uh, that, that we get to tell to other people that, that maybe changed our life. And then we get to share that with our family or maybe our church family. And Jacob was blessed for doing this. What exactly did Jacob do to earn this blessing? Hey, He had messed up his whole entire life. Personally, I say the biggest accomplishment that Jacob had is he didn't give up in the end. He kept fighting. We can't give up, but when life gets hard, don't give up. When life gets you down, don't give up. How did he fight? He literally hung on to God, and he wouldn't let go. We need to do that today. We need to not let go. We need to keep fighting. We need to keep stepping. And God doesn't want to leave you the way you were before. Maybe it was an addiction. Maybe uh, it was an abuse. Maybe it was a bad relationship, a financial devastation, a failure. He wants to bless you and introduce to you a brand new meaning. But in order for you to get the brand new meaning, you have to fight to get through it. You have to fight through the night to get to it. Jacob receives this blessing, but we find that he didn't get it without being, uh, being hurt and, and getting hurt, and his, and his hip goes out of socket. And for the rest of his life, he's got a story to tell now because he's going to walk with a limp, a very noticeable limp for the rest of his life. 
And when we don't give up, there's a blessing for the other side of that. And that doesn't mean that you won't have a limp to show for it or a scar to show for it. You see, I have a scar right here on my lip um, in a bicycle accident when my brother Peter, once again, the chosen one, uh, decided that he would go down this forbidden hill uh, on his bike and he invited me to go with him. And of course, I was young and naive and I say, sure, let's go. Well, halfway down the hill, I fall off through the, uh, over the, the, the rails of the bike and I bust my mouth. Luckily, I didn't have to go to the hospital and get 30 stitches because my head was banged up, my knees were banged up, all that good stuff. I got off the bike. I was, I was on the bicycle. Peter comes running to the ditch. I'm literally in that bicycle situation still in the mode. Like, I haven't moved the muscle. Like, scared to death. Peter's better about telling the story because he, he got to see it from the other side. But in the moments of all of that, there's a story to tell, right? Like, it wasn't a great story. But now we get to laugh about it because it's a story that we share together. You can't share stories together if you keep running. We can't have stories as a church if instead of saying we want to do this and then we get scared in the end, we say, ah, let's do this instead. In chapter 33, Jacob reunites with his family. Eventually he has no other option than to come face to face with his brother Esau. Remember, this is the guy he cheated. Jacob prepares the gift. Verses 1 through 4, we read this. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, the two maidservants, and he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and the children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. And then he crossed over before them and bowed to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him. And listen, he embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. A beautiful but bad scene, right? Beautiful that they came back together. Sad that they took this long to make up. We aren't sure how long it took hearts to soften towards each other. But the wait was worth it because in the end it was a moment of embracing. If you have the courage this morning to not give up, the same thing can happen for you. We can discover God's will. We can discover God's power. We can discover God's presence. It may be an experience of a reconciled friendship, a renewed purpose in life, a new identity with a hope for the future. And instead of running from the darkness, we run into it. And instead of just tapping out, grab a hold of God, we don't let go. And He has a blessing for us, but we have to fight for it. We have to fight for it. Nothing, nothing good comes out of anything if we don't fight for it. Are you willing to let go and latch on to what God wants for your life? Are you willing to stop what your desires say and start doing what God will say? should be a slide at the end for the invitation. I read this this week, and I thought it summed it up best. In your loneliness... There is an opportunity to discover His presence. In your fear, there is an opportunity to discover His peace. In your weakness, there's an opportunity to discover His strength. In your pain, there's an opportunity to discover the purpose. And in your shame, there's an opportunity to discover His grace. But in your darkness, there's an opportunity to discover 
his precious light. You remember every scar, every bruise, there's a story to tell. And Jacob had his story to tell. He wrestled with God and he got a limp out of it for the rest of his life. He messed up. There was a lot of things he did wrong through his life. But you see the grace of God in these passages. All the way through Jacob's life, nothing went right in his life. He always went the opposite direction. But God, in the end, would still use Jacob. And there's a story to tell because of it. What's your story? Do you have one? Has there been a time, has there been a place that you have given your life to Jesus Christ? And I'll tell you this, there's no more celebration than we can do on a two-year anniversary than somebody giving their life to Jesus. That's what it's about. That's why we're here. That's the purpose behind Cross Life Church. You see, we, we don't run away from things. Instead, we step into it. We don't run away from the blessings. We run to the blessings. We have to fight for it, and we have to never, ever give up. Maybe today you're on the verge of giving up, and I just want to encourage you today to keep fighting. Keep trusting. Because let me tell you, God's got you. But the question is, do you have Him? Do you know Him? Do you know Him on that personal level? Has there been that time that you've trusted Him as Lord and Savior of your life? You see, 2,000 years ago, this man named Jesus Christ, he, he died on the cross for you. God sent the ultimate sacrifice to the cross so that your sins would be forgiven. All of those wrongdoings, all of those things that we have done, that we have pushed under the rug. God says, you don't even have to tell anybody. You just got to repent to me, and I'll give you eternal life. It's a free gift. It doesn't cost a thing. He wants to change our lives today. Will you allow that? With all heads bowed, all eyes closed really quick, I just want to know, is that you? Is that you? Do you need to know Jesus Christ today? Do you need to know? If you would, just slip up your hand. I, you can slip it up really quick and slip it right back down. Because we want to celebrate with you. Do you need Him today? Do you need Him today? Maybe you've given your life to Jesus, but you've been scared to tell the church. And you've never taken the step to obedience through believers baptism and you would like to take that step you would like to show the world that i'm going to live for jesus christ if that's you would you slip up a hand we want to celebrate that with you as well because there's a savior who loves you who wants you to run to him Lord, right now we come to you and, God, we celebrate. We celebrate all the things that you have accomplished through this church in two years. But, God, we know that as we press forward, as we continue running the race, there's so much more to be accomplished. God, right now I pray for each and every person that's in this place, each and every family that is represented, each and every family that's watching online today. God, and right in this moment, if they need you in their life, would you have them call out your name and ask, 
ask you to save them. Ask you to save them from the bondage. Ask you to save them from the deep, dark hole that they are in right now. Lord, maybe we've we've wronged people in the past and we've done things that we shouldn't have done in the past. And Lord, we just need forgiveness on that today. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be able to lay our heads on our pillow tonight until we ask for that forgiveness from you. Lord, use it as we continue pressing on towards the mark that you have. God, and we set our eyes onto the next year. Lord, I pray that you will raise up an army. God, you're already doing it right now. You're raising people. You're raising leaders. You're raising men and women to be fighters. God, help us fight to the next level that you have called us to to be at and to do. Lord, as we celebrate just a little bit more after the service today and we eat some food together, we break bread together, Lord, your, your word says that we should do that. Lord, let it be a joyful time. Let there be a lot of laughter. Let there be a lot of people just getting along with each other and celebrating what you have done, but also give us nourishment, God. We pray for the blessing of the food and, Lord, the hands that have provided it. And Lord, thank you for what you're doing here at this church. Lord, most importantly, we pray for people to be saved. We pray for people to follow that up with believers' baptism so that we would have a story to tell. Every wound, every scar, every bruise. Give us a story so that we can continue sharing your amazing love that you showed us by sending your son Jesus to die on that cross for us. We give you glory and praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.